given these uh, five subjects with regard to uh, reaching out, and I, I was given them and I was just told to bring messages on those uh, subjects, and as I was preparing for them, I prepared for them step by step, and, and the last one that, that I came to was reaching students, uh, postmodern and uh, those under the influence of African traditional religions. They were harder for me. I had to do a lot more research, but I thought, students, no problem. You have students coming here all the time. Students is what I know, and so I left the easy one to last. So there's a tip. Those of you that like planning and doing things and managing things, do the hardest things first and leave the easiest ones to the end. But as I was looking at this, and as, as I was going through this, I, I was quite challenged. And I came to the conclusion that this one needed to be the one to start the conference. And so the question I want to ask and answer is, why did I feel that reaching students was the one that I needed to start this conference? And why, as I'm re-looking at this material, I come to you this morning and I've decided exactly the same thing. Why is this? And so you could say, well, Sunday by Sunday, we have a congregation, and today we've probably stacked it differently, but normally we've got about 80% students. Most folk that come here to the English-speaking service are students, and it's a huge privilege to have you students with us. Uh, and, and you, effectively, are the church of the future. But that's not why I start here. Many churches put a lot of emphasis on students because they see, and rightly so, the potential of youth. Like I just said, youth here will be the church of the future. And so a lot of churches think, well, what we've got to do is we've got to catch them young. We need to get them while they are young. But that's not why I start here. Students have an inquiring minds, don't you? I'm sure you stayed up late at night discussing all manner of things together. Putting the world to rights, sorting out philosophy, solving politics. And I'm sure some of you have got solutions for the Nigerian political situation. Maybe you are going to divide the land. Maybe you're going to do something different. You, you, you discuss these things. You've got young, inquiring minds. You've got minds that explore different things. And... And people think because of that, you are ripe for the gospel. Now's the time when your mind's inquiring, when you're interested, now's the time to speak to students. But that's not why I start here this morning. We have an expression in English, you can teach an old dog, no, sorry, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I, I don't know if that means anything to you. Uh, our dog at home is getting rather old. And when she was young, we used to teach her to do things, to, to sit, to, to beg, to come, to follow, and we'd give her little treats, and she would learn. Now, when you try to teach her something, she takes the treat and goes to sleep. Because an old person, an older person, doesn't learn things again. It's the youth that, that learn, and so people think, well, we need to grab students while they're impressionable, while their minds are moldable. And, but that's not why I start. All these things are true and there's a value in them. But as I was, as, as I was preparing for this one, as it became a bit of a monster on my desk from thinking this is the easiest one, as, as, as I was reading God's word, as I got all my books on youth work off my shelves and was going through them, 
I, I realize there's lots of, of innovative, exciting ideas out there. If you go onto the internet, there's lots of great ideas of how to reach students. But as, as I was studying the scriptures, as, as I was searching the scriptures for biblical teaching on how to reach students, you know what? I couldn't find any teaching directed solely, now let me underline that, directed solely at students. So how am I going to preach on reaching students when I go to God's word and there isn't any direct teaching on directly how to reach students? And, and what I became more and more and more convinced of was the fact is that to reach students, to reach people, we just have to go back to basics. And, and so this morning, that, that's what we're doing. We're going back to basics. This sermon is at the start of this series of five because we're going back to basics. To reach students is exactly the same for every demographic. If someone is older, if someone is younger, if someone is from Africa, if someone is from the UK, if someone is of a great intellect or if someone has uh, not had that opportunity, we have to go back to basics because reaching out is the same to every demographic, every type of people. The basics of reaching out, of proclaiming the gospel, of bringing the good news is the same. And so this morning we're going to look at the basics of reaching out, but I'm going to do it to the perspective of reaching students. So we're looking at the basics and thinking of the practical application of how you can do that to students. And we'll be doing that from the passage that we read earlier in Matthew. Uh, and, and the passage that uh, Brother Scott nicely opened up for me and helped with a great illustration with the children just there. So please have your Bibles open. It'll be helpful if you have them open to follow in Matthew in chapter 28. And we're looking at those last verses there, which we had emphasized in the children's talk and was there in, in that first reading that we had here. Now, th there is a link to students here. There's a tentative link in this. Because Jesus is talking to his disciples, and a disciple is a student. And he tells them to go and make more students. He tells them to go and make more disciples. And so what we've been looking at this morning is this. Jesus speaking to his disciples, and he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that we have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, as we go into this passage, as we go into these basics, we have to see the magnitude of what's going on here, the, 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 the depth of these words, the strength of these words. And, and the depth and the strength of these words are, in, in many ways, because they are some of the last recorded words of Jesus before he ascends to heaven. There's a tradition of recording people's last words. And you can go online and you can find the last words of so many different people. 
throughout history. And, and there's a lot of weight put on people's last words. That The hope is, the desire is that that person's experience comes out in, in a sentence, comes out in a little paragraph, gives people hope, gives people instruction. Well, Jesus had some last words before he died. And, and the last words he had on the cross that we remember is, it is finished. And the work of salvation effectively was finished from Christ's perspective. His death and resurrection prove that we have all we need for salvation. It is finished. There is a finished work of Christ on the cross. But Jesus had one more task to do. And in the the 30 plus days when he was on the, the earth, before he ascended to heaven, what he was really doing was preparing his disciples for their future without him, which he already had done in the, in the sermon, and uh, the discourse in the upper room, and he carries on to do it. Uh, and what he's really doing here, his last major task, is to give his disciples their instructions, to give his disciples their battle orders, to give their disciples his, 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 his telling them what to do next. And so just as Scott was underlining with the the children is something that we need to underline here. And that is reaching out is not just for pastors. It's not just for evangelists. It's not just for full-time church workers. It's not just for someone that is set aside to reach the campus. But it is for all disciples. All disciples. So this morning, if you are trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you know God the Father is your Father through the Lord Jesus Christ, if you know that your sins have been forgiven by Christ's work on the cross, you are a disciple. You are a follower of Jesus. You are a student of Jesus. And Jesus said to his disciples back then and throughout the last twenty. last 2,000 centuries and to this moment now, he's telling his disciples, he's telling us to go therefore and make disciples. And and so the first challenge is, this is for all of us. You can't just be thinking, oh, this is for for Pastor Phil because that's what he does. This is just for the, the, the person who calls himself an evangelist because that's what they do. No, this is for you and this is for me. It's for everyone who is a disciple. But reaching out can be daunting. It can be frightening. I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up, but I want you to think about this seriously. How many of you reached out this last week? How many of you took opportunity to witness and point someone to Christ this last week? And if you didn't, it may be because you are afraid. It may be because you are daunted by it. It may be because you are not looking for the opportunity. And it can be frightening. And it can be difficult. And it can be scary. And it's not easy. But it's for all disciples. And just as reaching out to anybody can be difficult, I think that reaching out to students can be especially difficult. 
And, and why do I say that? Well, for many of you here, you're reaching out to your friends, to your peers, to your colleagues. And do you want to look stupid in front of them? Our natural default is no, we don't want to look stupid. And even the person who tries to look stupid is the village idiot, and they do it because that's kind of cool, and they get away with it. But you, you don't want to be laughed at, do you? And, and for many of you, that's what's stopping you because you have friends, you have relationships with people, and you think that by witnessing, by sharing the gospel, it's going to spoil that. And then youth, students are just full of energy. They're full of coolness, aren't they? Full of academia and knowledge and opinions and self-determination and self-awareness and self-exploration and, honestly, a whole lot of self. And it's, it's difficult witnessing, sharing, reaching out to people who are like that. And then added to the complexity here is we have different cultures and different languages. And the people that you're around about speak in a different way to you. And have had a whole different experience. And it can be very, very daunting. And Jesus knew this. Jesus knew this. And he told his disciples to do it. And so we're going back to basics. And I've got a question that we, or a statement that we're going to run through with four headings. You can only reach students if okay so that, that's going to follow us through you can only reach students and the first one i want us to look at here is you can only reach students or you can only reach anybody it doesn't have to just be students there but we're focusing on students practically if we go in jesus power this is the benchmark this this is you can't go any further than this you have to start here and work on from this point. You can only reach students. You can only reach your neighbors. You can only reach the lost around about you if you go in Jesus' power. You see, here we have Jesus' last words to his disciples. They're about to lose his teacher. They're about to lose the one they thought they lost at Calvary on the cross. And then he rose from the dead again. And they were amazed. But Jesus is then saying, I am going to go. I'm going to go to sit at the right hand of the Father. I'm going to leave you. And Jesus is about to give them mission impossible. And I'm going to underline this mission impossible that Jesus sends them on. Because of the 11 people he speaks to, 10 of them are killed for reaching out. That's a bit of a serious thing, isn't it? Jesus knew the toughness of what he was calling them to do. And, and Jesus is saying to them, look, you've got to go. And he says it like this in verse 17, the second part of it. He gives his credentials why this instruction could be given. Because Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Jesus tells them to go. Jesus tells them to make disciples. And then Jesus says, you can do this because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, friends, I want you to delight in a little word there. All. All. He doesn't say some authority. He doesn't say some parts of the world are more difficult than others. I can't do that. I can't do China. I can't do South North Korea. I can't do... No. It's not a bit, it's not a part, it's not, it's not time-related. All authority in heaven and earth 
has been given to me, given to Jesus. Jesus is in control of all, everything, 100%. Bim Bim is learning percentages now. I hope they're teaching her correctly. Something that niggles me is this. I've given 110%. How can you give 110%? You can't. It's mathematically incorrect, yes? And so when God is in total control, it is 100%, yes? It doesn't have to be more than 100% because 100% is a fullness of everything that is possible. Everything is in his control. Jesus was about to go up to heaven. Jesus is now sat, on, sat at the right hand of God there in heaven. He's interceding for his people. And we can happily imagine his authority there. It's easy for us to think of his authority in heaven, in glory, in that sinless place, in the presence of God the Father. But we have to remember that Jesus' kingdom is not just heaven. It's earth too. This earth is his kingdom. Now there's times when it doesn't feel like it. And there's times when the devil is going around like a roaring lion and making us and making the world very, very uncomfortable. But it does not change the fact that Jesus has all authority. It it, it may seem, as I say, that Jesus isn't in control, but he is. And the reason it seems like he's not in control is because of this broken nature of this sin-filled world. And, And the devil who is running around like a roaring lion, the devil who is looking to devour whom he can, is on a leash. He's been beaten at Calvary's cross. Christ showed the world, the universe, and everyone that he is in absolute control. You see, Jesus' death must have seemed like a victory to his enemies. Manuel loves C.S. Lewis, and I don't blame him. And if you've read the Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, you'll be aware of that story. And and Aslan, the great character who resembles God, is killed. And and the children are crying and they're they're upset because they think it's all over. And then as C.S. Lewis puts it, there was a deeper magic. There was something bigger going on. And Aslan came back to life. And his life wasn't taken. He made a sacrifice to be able to get rid of the bad uh, white witch. And Jesus has done far greater than that. Jesus came to this world so that we could have our sins forgiven, so that we could be made right with God, so that the enemy, the devil, and death, and sin could be and is conquered through the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus' ultimate authority is demonstrated in his salvation. Salvation's work is done. The devil is no longer, or never was, totally out of control. Always within the limits of God Almighty. And so, yes, it can look difficult. And yes, it can look like it's out of control. But as we go forward, as you go forward to reaching out to students, you can do it. You can't do it in your own strength. You can't do it in your own wisdom. You can't do it with your own ideas or campaigns. But we 
can confidently step out and reach out and share the gospel because Jesus, who has all authority, has told us to. Jesus, who is in control of everything, has told us to do this. Jesus, who walked on water. Jesus, who fed the 5,000. Jesus, who made the blind see. Jesus, who healed the lame. Jesus, who cast out demons. Jesus, who rose from the dead and conquered sin and death and the devil, is saying to us this morning, go out. How can I? Because I am telling you, and I have all authority. Nothing is too great for me. Nothing is too big for me. And friends, we worry about our friends laughing at us. And what's that in the light of Jesus, who has got all authority, saying to us, go out. We can't do it in our own strength. And I think so often that's why we fail. So often that's where it goes wrong because we get up in the morning with the resolve to to share the gospel with one person and we forget to ask God to help us. We forget to, to realize that we cannot do it by ourselves. We need Jesus who has all authority to help us and we, and we try and do it in our own strength. Or maybe we have this idea that we need to put on a big event and we need a big tent, and we need a big noise, and we need great marketing, and we need someone who really understands social media, and we need the best TikTok dance ever to get these guys in. And none of that's here. Jesus is saying to you and to me, go. Go, just go. Just go out there, speak, talk. This is what it's all about. And we can do it through Christ who strengthens us. How many times have I heard that verse misapplied? This is what it's for. Go out there. Jesus has all authority. He he, is stirring us up now to go out there. And that leads us on to the second point. You can only reach students if we go out there. If you go out there. Verse 18. And then the first part of that verse is very simple, isn't it? Go, therefore. Go, therefore. I'm going to have to get a new illustration for this. I've used this one many times. Some of you may groan when you hear it because you've probably heard it before. But it's one I like. And if you can find me a better one, please let me have it. But there are three frogs. One, two, three frogs. Big frogs sat on a lily leaf. And they're having a discussion. They're having a chat amongst themselves. And they decide they're going to jump off. And the question is, how many frogs are left on the lily leaf? Sorry? Three. Yeah, Manuel's heard me say this before. There's three because they only decided. You see, we can make decisions, but what the decision needs to do is lead to an action. I think so often this is what happens with us within our outreach. We decide to do it in the comfort of church, but we never actually get out there because we only decided. It needs action. It is there. Go, therefore. We've not got the luxury to decide if we want to reach out. That's been taken away from you. If you are a Christian and trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ and you're a disciple, you haven't got an option because he says, go, therefore. Go, therefore, Jesus, who has all authority, makes the imperative instruction 
It's, it's an absolute. There's no ambiguity. You couldn't get a lawyer to untangle this one, could you? Uh, what does Jesus really mean here? Perhaps he actually means that we could sit on a sofa and watch Netflix. No, there's no ambiguity, is there? There's no social media in this. There's no messing around. Go, therefore, get out. Get out. The lost will not be reached if you don't go. Do you get that? Are you hearing this? Your, your neighbor needs you to tell them. Your, your colleague, your friends, the people that you are sat next to. Students will not be reached if you don't go. The lost are lost and dying and going into an eternity without Christ and the punishment of their sins upon themselves. And we, friends, are going to glory in heaven because Christ has opened our eyes and died for our sins and we're part of his kingdom. And when he left, he said, your job is to tell others, go, go. Now, there are some remarkable testimonies that I've heard how God has worked in people's lives without any human intervention. People have seen a scrap of paper blowing through and someone ripped a page out of a Bible and they read it and God's used it. And it happens because God is God and he can do it however he likes. But what usually happens and what God's usual way of salvation is by using a disciple of his to share the gospel, to reach out, to witness to somebody else. And you see, we sometimes come to this default. We can see, oh, the pastors, they're called to go out. The evangelists, they are called to go out. The, the people who are called to special tasks, they are to go out. This passage... Jesus' words that are speaking to us now isn't just for anybody. It is just for all of us. And the imperative, the command is all of us to go out. And so we as a church are to reach out. We're not just to leave it to Pastor Phil and Manuel on a Tuesday evening. Our lives are our lives of going out. And, and you see, with students, we, we, we need to think, how can we practically reach out to them? And, and God willing, this evening, what I want us to do in our Zoom time, and I want as many of you to come along as possible, because I want us to discuss and work out how we can practically do this. You see, we can have student meals or student groups, Bible studies, book clubs. We can do discipleship. We can have student events. We can have student seminars. But in many ways, friends, the best way to reach students is with other students. The best way to reach one person from one tribe is with some, someone else from that tribe. And students is like this great big tribe of people. And, and, and so you here, you, you 80-odd percent of you who are students, you are best placed to reach students. Now, yes, the, the church does need to help you reach out. And yes, we do need ideas. And yes, we should be discussing that this evening of how we can help you do that and how we can help each other to reach out. 
But reaching out should be intentional. As you, as you intentionally get out of bed in the mornings and clean your teeth, and as you take your shower, you should be also saying, today I'm going to reach out. Today's my opportunity. Today's my opportunity to share Jesus with somebody else. Not just going out and just sharing isn't enough. There's something else in here which we need to get a grip on and hold on to as individuals and to hold on to as a church. You see, the aim is not just going out, but making disciples. The third heading, you can only reach students if you make disciples. And as I say, you only reach students, you can only reach anybody if you make disciples. Verse 18, B, the second part of it, it says, and make disciples of all nations. And in that all nations, we have students. In that all nations, we have Cypriots. In that all nations, we have everybody. We're to go out there and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. You see, the aim of reaching students is to make disciples. It is easy to say you're a Christian. And maybe there's a few of you here this morning and it's easy for you to say that you are a Christian. And maybe you say that you're a Christian because at some time you made a decision or at some time you said the sinner's prayer. That's the start. That's the start. You see, what the disciples have been told there was not just to go into a country, go into a nation and get everyone to make a decision and then go on to the next country and do the same again. That's not what Jesus was telling them. What Jesus was telling them to do was to make disciples of all nations. And discipleship is something else. It's a lifetime discipline. It's not an event. And that's why we get it so wrong when we do evangelism. Because we do evangelism, we do it in a moment, and then we leave. And the people that have heard the gospel, the people who've made this decision for Christ, need to be discipled. They need to be nurtured. They need to grow in Christ. Now, discipleship starts with salvation. In, in this, this heading here of saying we have to make disciples, the sub, first subheading is you have to be saved. Now, from this passage, you can say, where does it say they're saved there? Well, the Bible clearly teaches that only those who are believers trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ should be saved. We can go through God's word. We can see that clearly. And so although it doesn't state it in this passage, God's word states it. And the, 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 the fact that people here are being baptized in their, in their uh, discipleship means that discipleship starts with salvation. Discipleship is not a membership to a club. It's not just becoming part of a church. It's a changed life that is endeavoring with God's help to walk 
in union with Christ. And friends, you can only walk in union with Christ if you've been made right with God. And you can only be made right with God if you're trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive you for your sins. Your sins separate you from God. And Jesus takes your sins. And for those who are trusting in him, those who have called upon his name, your sins, my sins, have been left at Calvary. Jesus has paid the price. Jesus' finished work of salvation is the way to be made right. And so students need the gospel. If you're going to make disciples, if you're going to reach out, you need to be intentional and you need to tell them the gospel. And the gospel starts where? It starts with some bad news. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now that's a hard conversation to have. And God willing as part of our student seminars, we'll be learning ways of doing this. So come along to the student seminars. Learn practically how to reach out. We, we may, are we doing role plays? Are you, are you getting people to act it out? I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll be waiting. Scott's going to be doing that session, and if it proves useful, we will do more like it. But you need to share the gospel. People need to know that they're lost. Are you bothered by that? If you're not bothered by that, you're not going to get anywhere. You need to be distressed, you need to be grieved, you need to be upset. And we're going to come on to that later in some of the other uh, sermons in the series. You need to share the gospel, to share the fact that Jesus is the answer to the huge hole that we have in this life. A Christless life is an empty life. And students are desperately trying to fill it, and they're filling it with the wrong stuff. And you have the answer. You know what it is. The gospel is that sin has separated people from God. The gospel is that Jesus came, the good news came, Christ came to the light, to be the light of this world, to pay the price of the sins of his people on the cross of Calvary. You need to share that. Yes, students like food. If I was bold, I'd be saying amen now. Can I hear an amen? You, you like food, don't you? I know you like food, because if I need you here, I put food on and we're all here, aren't we? It's human nature. Students like activity. Students like entertainment. Students like excitement. Students seem to like late-night discussions. But what they need is the gospel. They need to be saved. They need to be transformed. And you, friend, you disciple, friend, you who are trusting in Jesus, that's your job, is to share the gospel with them. You see, to make disciples, they need to be saved. They need to be baptized. When someone is saved, their baptism doesn't save them. Their baptism shows that they're walking in obedience. The baptism is that person saying, look, I have died with Christ. I've been raised with him. I'm now walking with him because of what he has done for me. Baptism in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit has never, ever saved anybody. But it's an open testimony of all those who are trusting in what the Lord has done for them. But it's here, and I think it's in here to indicate the importance of obedience. The importance of obedience and the importance of being open with your faith. Baptism was to be done in the open. Baptism was to be a public witness. Baptism was to say, hey, look, this is what's happened to me. You see, generally speaking, someone who says they are a secret Christian will not do well. Have you seen those that have have, have hidden it away a little bit? We've had them come to Cyprus. 
and, and they've come here and they, they said they're Christians, but they don't want everyone to know and, and they hide away. And I know that for some people, in some situations, in some circles, it may be appropriate. I'm not speaking into their situation. There's no need for any of you guys here to be secret believers. And generally speaking, there'll be no need for any of those who you're witnessing to to be secret believers. They need to be open. And they need to nail their colors to the mass. And the sooner someone who's come to faith openly confesses Jesus Christ, the better. And the sooner they do it, the sooner they will then be sharing with others what God has done for them. And so I say it again. Students may like food. They may like activities. They may like excitement. They may like late-night discussions. But what they really need is to be taught. Students need to be taught. And there's two things they need to be taught. They need to be taught the truth, and they need to be taught to be obedient to the truth. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. All that I've commanded you is the truth. It's God's word. It's here for us. And, and students need to be taught that. So the gospel needs to be given. And as God works in their hearts and their lives and they become believers, they need to follow in obedience and be baptized. But they need to be taught. And they don't just need to be taught. They must be led to obedience. You see, just teaching a student a fact about the truth is no good. It's how does that fact affect their life. One of the things that I've recently been really thrilled with is a new believer in the Turkish side of the church. And he reads God's word. And God's word speaks into his life and a change happens. It's as simple as that. I, I, I hope he doesn't mind me using this illustration, but he, he came to us as a vegan. And he was very evangelical about being a vegan. If a vegan isn't, doesn't register in your head, they don't eat meat. Yes, it's strange. And not only do they not eat meat, they don't eat anything from an animal. So milk's out, eggs are out, cheese are out. It's, it's quite something. And when he came to us, he came as a Christian, but he also came as someone who's quite evangelical about his veganism. And we sat around and he'd be telling us the wonders of it. And then one Sunday he came in and he was eating meat. What's happened here? Jesus ate meat. I'm going to eat meat. But he said, what's more to the point was this, is it wasn't so much that. It was the fact that his veganism was becoming a God. And he realized through God's word that that wasn't right. That was an idol. That was getting in the way of his relationship with God. And as God's word spoke to him, he changed. And so we need to teach people. And we need to pray that God's word changes people. We're not going to change them. We're not the, we're not the caveat. We're not the conduit of change. But we are the ones who are able to teach. We are the ones who are able to model. If you are telling a student that this is right and that's wrong, you need to be doing that yourself. And it's teaching all that Jesus has commanded you. And it's what Jesus has commanded. Our role isn't to teach them the traditions or the culture of this church. Our role is to teach them what Jesus commanded. We're not here to make Pharisees. We're here to make disciples. And disciples can only be made out of God's word. 
Obedience must be modelled by us. That's part of our going out. Obedience must be modelled, and it must be encouraged. And you know, this, this, this looking out for people, it, it gets messy, and it's involved. And caring for people in this way is difficult. It's like the Apostle Paul caring for the Corinthians and giving them accountability and calling them out when things got wrong. And we need to stand by them when, when things get messed up. And we need to point them back to Christ when they're wandering. And when they point things to us in our lives that are wrong, we need to listen and go back to God's word and grow in community together and disciple each other. The best way to reach students is with students. And if you have the privilege of someone coming to know Christ through your witnessing, you need to teach them the Great Commission as fast as you can so that they go on and share the gospel. Because that set of dominoes that we saw earlier is the fact of the matter, isn't it? We can't reach that person way over there, but we can reach the person beside us. And who knows what effect that will have when that person's life is touched by Christ and that person then touches someone else's life and it goes on and the domino effect happens. And so part of our teaching and discipling needs to be teaching and discipling this great commission where Jesus speaks to his disciples, where Jesus speaks to us and says, go, therefore. The student works that are yielding true and lasting fruit are the student works that unashamedly teach God's word. There are some that grow up rapidly with gimmicks and noise and sound and light effect and dancing and all manner of other stuff. But don't look for gimmicks to catch them. Because if you catch something on something, you have to feed them on that, don't you? And, and, you have to, and it's just a mess. We should be building student work on his word. You see, if, if your student work, if your reaching out is built on gimmicks, you'll be building gimmicky disciples. And that's not what Jesus told us to do. He told us to teach them to observe all that I've commanded. And if our reaching out is built on the sovereignty of God who is in control of everything, if it's built on the salvation in Jesus alone, if it's built on the help of the Holy Spirit breathing life into people's lives, if it's built on the commandment to make disciples, who knows where your personal witnessing will go? Who knows what could happen to this church? We look around and we see empty spaces. And who knows? Within a short space of time, we could be needing another building. Who knows? But what we do know is we're told to go. We're told to be faithful. I'm English. And you probably found out that the English love sandwiches. The rest of the world, I think, despises our snack. But the Earl of Sandwich invented the sandwich at a critical time in our history, and we've never looked back. It's a piece of bread, and there's a filling, and there's another piece of bread. 
And I must confess that the sandwiches I've had in America are probably the best sandwiches I've ever had because it's light on bread, heavy on filling, and light on bread. In England, more bread, less filling, sadly. This passage is like a sandwich. Yeah? Because this passage is, 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 is building on this, yes? It, we know that reaching students is normally difficult. Reaching anybody's hard work. It can be discouraging and it can be dangerous. And, and this passage started by telling us that we could only reach students if we go out in Jesus' power. And it ends that, the same way. It brings us back to the beginning. The thing that holds this together, the thing that holds reaching out, the thing that holds us and enables us to do it is Jesus. Fourthly, and to fill the sandwich, or finish it off if you like, put that piece of bread on the top, is you can only reach students and deja vu if we go out in Jesus' power. Jesus says, behold I am with you always to the end of the age. You see, Jesus was leaving the disciples. He was going, and he's saying, get out there and tell everyone. And then he says to them, I'm with you. How is he with us? He's with us through the Holy Spirit. He's with us through his word. He is with us now in that sense. Jesus has not left us. And how can you do this? How can you do this? And this is maybe where you're thinking now. You're feeling rebuked. You realize you haven't reached out like you should. You're wanting to do it and you're thinking, my bottom is stuck to my seat. I can't actually get up and do this. How can I do it? Friends, you can do it because Jesus said to his disciples 2,000 years ago, behold, I am with you to the end of the age. And every disciple that has gone on from Christ has gone on in that promise. And he's been able to do it. And she's been able to do it because Jesus is with them. And as you go out into this week, as you look for opportunities to share, as you are praying, you can do it. Not because you can, but because Christ is with you. And that's where the joy is. And that's where the hope is. And that's why we can do it. You're not by yourself. You might feel very lonely in that lecture room when you put your hand up and say, I don't believe in this evolution. I believe that God made the world. You might feel very lonely in that situation where your friends are laughing at some filthy, dirty joke or someone's wanting you to watch internet porn or someone is telling you to do Yahoo and you say no and they ask why and you say because I'm Christ. You may feel lonely, but you are not alone. Christ is with you to the end of the age. There are people right now in North Korea, in prison, in isolation, because they've shared the gospel. And when you hear their testimonies, they tell you that they're not alone, because Christ is with them. Christ is never going to leave you or forsake you. And that's the power, the fuel that you can take to enable you to be faithful to Christ's call where he says to you this morning, believer, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. You can reach students. You can reach anybody if you go in Jesus' power. If you go. It's not going to happen by accident. You have to go. And you need to go intentionally to make disciples, realizing that you can't make them, but you can make them in Jesus' name in Jesus' power, and because Jesus died and rose again and sat at the right hand of God 
and he's waiting for us and all those whose lives we touch to be with him for an eternity. Amen. I just want to give you a moment to to think and pray over and ask the Holy Spirit to show you what you need to learn this morning.